The title for our Sunday School lesson this week is Peter Denies Jesus. However, the actual text is, is much more inclusive than that. It, it begins immediately after the Last Supper and goes through uh, Jesus praying in the garden, uh, the, betrayal by or the betrayal of Jesus by Judas with the kiss, uh, Jesus' uh, court appearance before the Sanhedrin, and then finally, uh, after all that, it gets to uh, the, uh, the account of Peter denying Jesus three times in the courtyard. So it covers uh, quite a bit of material. The title, however, does give us some focus for this rather large amount of material. Uh, so it focuses on uh, Peter and his um, bold statement at the beginning, I will never deny you, uh, all the way through uh, to his um, failure to, to follow through on that, that, that statement. And uh, that's, uh, of course, one way to, to look at the material. And so uh, in the effort of, of trying to keep <laughs> the discussion somewhat short, because uh, if we were to discuss all of this uh, material in depth, it would probably be an hour-long audio <laughs> uh, that I got here. Uh, I'll go through with that same kind of focus, at least first. I'll go through it focusing on Peter and uh, what's going on with Peter throughout all this. And then I, I plan on going back and and kind of going through it again in a shorter form uh, with some focus on Christ. So uh, overall, we, we're going to see how uh, Peter makes that bold statement of faith, I, I will never deny you, uh, and, he, and he kept insisting on it. He was so insistent on it, uh, but then how he does indeed fail. And the scripture is, of course, full of warnings against exactly this kind of behavior. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, uh, let him who thinks he stand take, takes heed lest he fall. Um, Genesis 4, 7, God reminds Cain, sin waits for you, lurking at the door. You know, it's ready uh, there to to pounce and many other passages uh, warn us how easy it is for us to fall into temptation uh, precisely when we think we're the strongest, uh, when we in our pride think, oh no, that, that will never happen uh, to me. And we really need to beware of such prideful thoughts because uh, Satan is is very often uh, able to to use that pride uh, to to cause us uh, to fall. In fact, it seems it seems sometimes it seems like Satan delights in attacking us uh, at the very place where we think we're most secure, um, and uh, taking us down exactly when we make such prideful statements like like Peter makes here. I will I will never I will never betray you. Uh, then of course uh, he does. So the account begins uh, immediately after they finished the Last Supper and after singing psalms, so that was that was part of the traditional Passover, uh, singing certain psalms. Uh, it's kind of the end of the, the celebration there. After singing psalms, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And it seems as though on the way, uh, Jesus talked to his disciples. In fact, from the, the Gospel of John, uh, we know that on the way to the Mount of Olives, uh, they had a rather long discussion and uh, so Mark only records a part of that discussion, but one of the parts that he records that's so important is Jesus's warning. Jesus said, all of you will run away. Jesus even quotes from the scripture here. Uh, he knows this to be true uh, because uh, the Old Testament 
prophesied about it. I will strike the sheep or the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And it's at this point, of course, that Peter makes his his uh, rash denial here, I will never do that. Uh, just how foolish is it of Peter, not only to, to stand in his pride here, but even to, to contradict scripture in his pride. And yet we so often uh, have the same attitude. Uh, scripture warns us so much about Satan and his attacks and the dangers of his, his attacks, about the temptation that lurks and waits for us, about our own weaknesses. Scripture warns us about all these things, and yet our attitude is so often to not take it seriously, to think, well, Satan, to think of Satan as this kind of semi-mystical figure that, well, whatever, uh, he's not really real. Or you know, or even if we admit that he's real, we don't really think of him as real and, and as really wanting to attack us. Uh, Luther is famous for saying that if we could see the spiritual armies and powers arrayed against us, uh, we would spend every second of the day praying uh, for fear of their attack upon us. And we just don't even realize uh, how much we exist and live only under the protection and grace of God that that keeps uh, Satan and his his forces at a bay. Uh, the, the temptation, the force, the strength of Satan and his armies is so real and, and so ever-present, uh, and yet we just don't take it seriously. Uh, here, Jesus even quotes from Scripture that this is something that's going to happen, and Peter, in his pride, just uh, dismisses it. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, I'm I'm stronger uh, than that. Everyone else might, but but I'm not going to. Uh, and Jesus specifically warns Peter, uh, but uh, Peter just insists all the more, it's not going to happen to me. Uh, all of this uh, should remind us, uh, first of all, it should remind us of our own weakness, and it should really compel us to consider how easily we can fall into temptation and how easily Satan can uh, tempt us and lead us astray uh, and how much we need God's grace, as we've been talking about. Uh, but it also should really make us um, considerate and uh, of others when they fall into temptation. And instead of looking down on them and despising them or instead of getting angry at them, you know, if the sin uh, is against us, uh, we should... Uh, recognize you know, how easily we also can fall into that temptation and be ever quick to forgive them. So we should recognize our own weakness. Uh, we should be uh, quick and willing to forgive others uh, who fall into temptation, even if even if their temptation, even if their sin uh, you know, really hurts us. Uh, we sh instead of thinking of ourselves as so much better than them, we should recognize how easily we might fall into the same temptation and, and be quick to forgive them. And thirdly, you know, when Jesus gives this warning, he, he's warning the disciples uh, because, you know, he's going to go to pray and he, he's warning them uh, that they need strength, that, that they need to pray uh, as well. But he's also, in a sense, telling them that he understands, that he knows it's going to happen, and he's he's calling them to remember his love and his forgiveness so that afterwards, when they have fallen, instead of descending into despair, uh, like Judas did, uh, they should uh, come back to his forgiveness and, and the fact that he died for them and trust in his love and his forgiveness. And so uh, we, we should uh, remember that as well. Uh, so after the warning then, and like I said, according to the Gospel of John, we know that they talked about many other things as well on their way, but they, they make it to the garden. 
Uh, and there, uh, Jesus uh, goes to pray, and he tells Peter, James, and John to sit here and pray uh, while, while he also goes to pray. Uh, as he's praying, he comes back uh, three times uh, to see them and to warn them about the importance of prayer. And, of course, we know that Peter, James, and John were, were sleeping instead. And here we see a reflection of ourselves very much as well. Jesus is warning us, or Jesus is warning them about the, the danger that lies in wait for them. Uh, they don't think it's, they obviously aren't really very impressed or that, that warning that Jesus gives them doesn't really impress itself upon them. Uh, and instead, they they think, oh, well, that's something they can worry about later. It's not something they really have to worry about too much. They don't pray. Uh, instead, they, they fall asleep. And how often uh, do we also uh, not recognize the importance of prayer and the strength that we need? I mean, here, Jesus himself... Uh, is praying, praying for three hours for the strength and the comfort that he needs to face what's going to come. And this isn't the first time we, we find in Jesus's ministry many, many times that he goes alone or he goes up on a mountain or he goes someplace to spend time with his father uh, to pray for strength and for help. And if Jesus, the Son of God, needs to pray for three hours uh, for the strength and the encouragement and the comfort uh, that he needs uh, to do God's will, you know, how much more don't we need uh, to, to pray continually and constantly and, and spend time? And yet, instead, we think, well, we don't really need it. It's not that big of a deal. We have more important things to do with our time. It's just uh, so foolish of us uh, to think that way. Jesus encourages Peter, James, and John that they need this. They need prayer. They need to spend time with uh, God their Father uh, to ask for strength, uh, to, to guard themselves against the temptations of Satan. Uh, they don't take him seriously, and so often we don't as well. So finally, the third time now, Jesus says, well, okay, uh, it's Time's up. <laughs> my betrayer is at near. The my betrayer is near at hand. Uh, we need to. Uh, we need to go. And here we we see that Judas comes and betrays Jesus with a kiss. Uh, it's interesting that Mark says that Ju Judas came with a mob with swords and clubs, but from the chief priests. Uh, the the people that came with Judas was were. And the, the temple guards. Uh, so it, it's not like it was just random people that he, he picked up on the street, although I, I guess it's possible that there were some others that joined them. But the fact that they came from the chief priests, the scribes and the elders, really underlines the fact that, well, no, these were professional soldiers. And yet, at least my version, uh, my the, the version I've got here calls them a mob. The Greek word is oklos, which means um, a large gathering, a large group, or a great multitude, which is, I think, a lot of how a lot, how a lot of the uh, versions translated. And it certainly implies that although there were professional soldiers there, uh, the temple guard was there. That maybe formed the the core of who came, but there were probably quite a bit of other people uh, who came along. And maybe they're the ones with the clubs, right? You got people with swords and you have others with clubs. So the professional soldiers probably have their swords, but then you probably had a large gathering of uh, scribes and Pharisees and, and other people who are angry with Jesus coming along, uh, making sure uh, that uh, Jesus was arrested and wanting to see it for themselves. And it does paint a picture much more of a of a lynching, a, a mob riot kind of action rather than just uh, police showing up to do their job.
In any case, Jesus is arrested, betrayed by Judas. And when this happens, of course, Mark tells us that one of those who stood by drew his sword, but we know from other gospel accounts that it was indeed Peter. So we see that Peter was, to some degree, ready to give his life. As he had boasted, he was, to some degree, ready to stand up for Jesus, ready to, to give his, his life. Uh, he drew his sword. He was ready and willing to fight uh, and to stand. Uh, however, Jesus you know, tells him to put his sword back in his sheath and um, that this is not the way to deal with this. And this reveals to us a little bit uh, something about what's going on here as well, that that. You know, Peter kind of listened to Jesus' warning and uh, and, and took a stand and, and, and kind of, in a sense, planted his feet. He was ready for the fight, uh, but the problem was he was, in his pride, he was ready for a fight from the direction he thought that the fight was going to come. He was ready for a certain type of fight, and he wasn't ready for the angle, so to speak, that Satan actually attacks him from. Uh, he had his feet planted firmly, uh, ready to, to fight from one direction. And as we're going to see in a little bit, Satan kind of sneaks up behind and pushes him forward. And, and that's part of how our pride really leads to our downfall, because we, we think we know what's coming and prepare ourselves for that. But uh, Satan sneaks behind us and, and pushes us from another angle, and we fall so quickly uh, when he does that. Uh, a certain young man having a linen cloth wrapped around his naked body was also following, and uh, the, the mob or the palace guards or whoever caught hold of him, and he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Uh, this is recorded only in the, this, this particular account is recorded only in the Gospel of Mark, uh, and so many people think that it that it is Mark is that young man. Uh, Mark was a Mark was from a, a well-to-do family that lived in Jerusalem, and so many people uh, think. And there's really old tradition for thinking this, uh, dating way back to the early church, uh, that uh, the Last Supper was celebrated in Mark's home, and that Mark then followed Jesus and his disciples from. Um, uh, that home, and uh, was th that's why he was there at the garden and, and why he, this happened. Uh, Jesus is led away uh, to appear before the high priest, the chief priest and the elders, he, to, appear, to appear before the Sanhedrin. The word Sanhedrin means the 70. Um, the, there were 70 elders of the, Israel, of the Israel, Israelite people that kind of composed the, the highest court uh, of the Israeli nation. Uh, that dates way back to the time of Moses. Uh, during the time of Moses, uh, you remember his father-in-law encouraged Moses that he couldn't uh, hear all the the problems and, and judge between all the people himself. And so he was supposed to, so he appointed 70 elders of, of Israel. And then there weren't always, it, was, it wasn't always the case, it wasn't a command from God that there be 70, uh, but um, that kind of became the tradition later on then based on, on the way that Moses did it. Uh, this, this Sanhedrin, this meeting of the Sanhedrin is illegal. Uh, they were not supposed to meet at night. Uh, they were supposed to give notice uh, and, and wait, uh, I don't remember how long it was, a day or two after giving notice of so that everyone would know and be able to gather together. And in fact, we know uh, that some of the Sanhedrin weren't there. 
Nicodemus, for example, who came to Jesus by night, uh, either didn't get the summons or uh, didn't come for some other reason, uh, but he wasn't at the Sanhedrin. Uh, so this was illegal for that reason. It's also illegal. They pay people to give false testimony. Uh, they're kind of somewhat going through the motions, but obviously have no intention of actually uh, legally trying Jesus. They just are looking for an excuse to condemn him. While Jesus is in uh, the courtroom, Peter is outside. He follows from a distance. And again, we see that Peter's boast was not completely false. Uh, he, he's willing to stand up and draw his sword when the soldiers attack in the garden. And now he's even willing to, to follow Jesus. Uh, it seems like most of the other apostles just ran away completely. Uh, Peter ran a little bit. Uh, but uh, then turns back and, and follows from a distance, and he's in the courtyard. But now, while he's in the courtyard, here we see Satan's attack coming. And uh, through not the way that Peter was thinking, uh, he's just standing there warming himself, and uh, some girl accuses him of being one of Jesus' followers, and he denies it, and then, of course, denies it three times. Then, of course, Luke tells us that Jesus actually looked at Peter. Uh, Jesus was probably being taken from one room to another, or maybe when he was taken from uh, appearing before the Sanhedrin to Herod, or, or taken to be with Pilate. He's outside the, the courtroom, and uh, he is passing by where Peter is and looks at him. And that Peter all of a sudden remembers Jesus' words and recognize, recognizes how far he's fallen after denying Jesus three times and weeps. Uh, because he recognizes his sin and how he, he betrayed Jesus. Later on, however, we're going to see how Jesus comes to Peter specifically and encourages him uh, with uh, three times. As Peter denied Jesus three times, now uh, later on after his resurrection, Jesus is going to ask him three times, do you love me? And Peter confesses you know, the three times that he loves Jesus, uh, and Jesus um, encourages him and assures him of his forgiveness through that. You know, one of the things going on here too is that we have to recognize kind of behind the scenes, uh, you know, on the front we have Jesus uh, facing the Sanhedrin, Jesus facing the mob, but going on behind the scenes here in a way we can't see it, it's Jesus facing Satan. And this is, is Satan's hour, as Jesus says at another point. Uh, the, the full attack of Satan is happening here against Christ. Uh, Jesus, Satan is bringing all his power, uh, all of his minions, so to say, uh, in this, this attack against Christ. And uh, the Jesus and the Jesus, of course, is at the center of it. And the disciples with Jesus are kind of all of a sudden find themselves in the center of this attack. So you know, before we're a little too quick to, to judge Peter, we have to recognize it would be pretty marvelous if Peter had been able to stand uh, just kind of at the center of the fullness of Satan's power and attack is, is coming on Christ and Peter is, is right there next to him. Um, by the grace of God, of course, you know, maybe maybe if Peter had, had taken Jesus' warnings to heart and, and prayed for strength, maybe he would have been able to stand with Christ, but uh, it seems rather unlike, unlikely, and none of us uh, would be able to. But nevertheless, uh, as we talked about before, despite Peter's failings, uh, we are reassured that Jesus went through this and accepted this calmly 
for our sakes. And that's why I wanted to kind of go back, uh, you know, having seen Peter's failing here and recognizing our own weakness and failing uh, in so much that Peter did, we can kind of go back now and see God's grace and Jesus's strength and what Jesus did for us. And throughout this whole account, uh, we see how Jesus is doing this for us. Uh, you know, fr from the very beginning, he takes the time to warn uh, Peter and the other disciples, and not only to warn them, but as we talked about, uh, to, uh, to re assure them, uh, after I've resurrected, he assures them of his resurrection. He gives them that assurance. I will go ahead of you to Galilee. So, you know, it's Jesus is reminding the disciples that even though they're going to abandon him, he's not going to abandon them. I will go ahead of you to Galilee. He's, he's, he's telling them, yes, you are going to betray me and scatter me, but don't be afraid to come back to me afterwards and, and to come and seek me in Galilee. After I'm resurrected, uh, I have something to give you. I'm not, not done with you uh, yet. And we're reminded of that beautiful passage, uh, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Uh, and so even after the disciples fail and fall, uh, Jesus encourages them to, to remember his grace and his love and come back to them. Uh, we have the prayer, Jesus's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here, even in the midst of his sorrow and his anxiety and his worry, even in, at this time when he's, he's so in need of comfort and consolation, he's so much in need of friends who will you know, stand with him and he knows that, that they're not going to, he nevertheless, his, his concern is always for them. Uh, even in the midst of his, his praying to the Father, he comes back uh, to warn them and to encourage them. Uh, you know, even as he's thinking about what he has to go through, he's also thinking about what what they're going to have to go through and uh, taking time to encourage and strengthen them. Uh, then we have the betrayal by Judas. And once again, Judas comes to betray him with a, a kiss. And it's quite evident that Jesus's concern is for Judas. Uh, even as Judas is doing this, uh, Jesus takes the time to, to call Judas to repentance. What are you doing, Judas? Uh, are you betraying the Son of Man with a, with a kiss? He, he's calling Judas to wake up uh, and to recognize the sinfulness and, and the despicableness of what he's doing and to turn in repentance. Um, he, when Peter does strike and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant, uh, Jesus takes the time to pick up that ear and and magic and magically is not the right word. We shouldn't use that word with Christ, but uh, to uh, heal that ear to reattach it to to the guy's um, head with with his power. Uh, so he's even thinking about this this guy who had come uh, in an attempt to arrest and, and destroy him. Uh, while Jesus is before the Sanhedrin, he doesn't give way to to anger. Uh, he accepts what's happening to him. He stands there. Uh, he doesn't say a word. Uh, he, he simply stands there and accepts it, knowing that this is the Father's will for him. He does finally speak up only when the, the high priests ask him, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Uh, for him to remain silent at this point uh, might have been taken as an admission that he wasn't, and he's not going to do that. He, he speaks uh, to make it very, very clear who he is and what he came to do. He speaks to give witness uh, to his grace and his love and his mercy. Yes, I am. I am the Messiah. I have come here to save even you guys. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming out with the clouds of heaven. He's, he's warning them about the judgment that is to come and their need to repent 
uh, right now. Of course, the high priest uh, uses it as his uh, way of, of proving uh, Jesus's blasphemy. And then uh, when Jesus is walking between the buildings, he takes the time to, to look at Peter uh, and call him to repentance as well. Uh, he, he's he is on trial for his life. He knows what's coming, uh, but uh, he's thinking about Peter and finds him with his eyes uh, in that car- courtyard and with just such, such a simple look, uh, calls Peter to remember his words. Not only the words that Jesus warned him uh, how Peter would betray him, but also the words, the other words as well, which reminded Peter of his resurrection and his love and his grace. So from beginning to end of this story, we see how J- Jesus is always constantly thinking of others, uh, even of those who would betray them. And that's what he came to do, to die, to save us, sinners like us. And he's going through it, of course, uh, for us and for them. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson this week. Uh, as always, uh, give me any email or call or text or whatever if you have any questions. Take care.